Hang in there, idiot. Smiley Kaufman for 61. Wow. I'm Smiley Kaufman, and this is The Smiley Show. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of The Smiley Show because for the very first time in the existence of the show, we are live from the same location uh, in Pebble Beach, California. Uh, it's it's The light is dimming behind us here, but uh, there are some cypress limbs that were moving around pretty good there today as the wind was was kicking up. Uh, we were recording this on Sunday. Uh, we would have been recapping the end of the AT&T Pro-Am, the first signature event for the PJ Tour this season, but instead you have travel plans. You're headed to WM in Phoenix tomorrow. I got to head back home to North Carolina. So we're, we're doing a, a sort of a three-round recap. We're also going to recap <laughs> some stuff we did this week that was uh, a lot of fun. It was a long week. And, you know, it's, of course, the Live Tournament and then and then the SSG deal, which we haven't had a chance to break down in full depth quite yet. Um, but, yeah, let's let's start with let's start with the week, Smiley, because we we had we had a week. You, you came in <laughs> hot on Friday. And we went straight to the course to Cypress Point. Uh, how were we? I, I think at one point there was a crick in your neck. Like, what was the? How how was the whole travel process getting here? And then of course you know, going straight to the course. Yeah. No. I mean, uh, getting in town here to uh, Monterey Peninsula, and then getting right off of a plane, landing in Monterey, and going straight to Cypress Point. It's like. I mean, that's kind of what dreams are made of. You know, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you have a crick in your neck, if you got an ingrown toenail, you got a broken foot. You know. If, if you're able and can swing a golf club, you're going to not turn down a tee time at Cypress Point. Yeah, I, I think uh, that would have been a tough sell. Didn't yeah. play Cypress, reason listed, <laughs> crick and neck. Uh, we also had a, an all-timer, uh, hey, if you need a fourth for Cypress, I can play. <laughs> so uh, that well, was... No, it's, I mean, it, it needs to be said. Can you imagine how many text messages have, have been sent <laughs> about whether it's Cypress Point or Pine Valley or just any type of high level golf course where it's like, hey, if you need a guy, I'm available like that text has probably been sent plenty of times. And yes. so I had to bring it up because and we're not going to name the individual, but it is just it's just funny because I've sent the text before. It's like, hey, if you, if you need a guy. You know, I can go play Cypress. Yeah. <laughs> my best ability, my best ability is availability. Yeah. Uh, and and this is listen, this is this is sort of a lesson. Like shoot your shot. Yeah. Shoot Take your, shot. your you know, did sh- send the if you need a fourth text because sometimes it ends up with you playing <laughs> Cypress Point. So uh, here there are a couple things. You know, I want to spend too much time on this because basically what we've, we've spent this week doing is doing some on course shoots. We're excited, you know, for the first time on on YouTube. Of course, you're, you're either listening to this now or you're watching this on our YouTube. And if you are watching on YouTube. Thank you for being here. If you're, if you're listening, go check it out. Like and subscribe. It's it's both of us in the same room. It looks cool. Um, but we got some really cool stuff that we shot this week on the golf course. We we did not shoot anything for the YouTube channel on Cyprus per se. Obviously, there are you know, restrictions, things of that nature. I do need to tell the audience about... I know where you're heading here. <laughs> the, the greatest golf shot I think I've ever seen in my life. And that includes like the Tiger Woods Library. Uh, this was unbelievable. Well, uh, let me let me just kind of before we get to the 12th hole. <laughs> my my golf game this week was I don't know if like I got off the plane and all I did was just like turn right or my car. Everything just would turn right. I got on the golf course and the golf ball just turned right. And besides that, my getting off the tee everything would just go to the right luckily there's not a ton of ob at cypress spyglass or uh there's there's some there's some ob some places but if you hit it far enough right you can find your golf ball 
And that's what happened on the 12th hole at Cypress Point. You you had a case <laughs> of the high yaws. Is, is it okay to just oh, to put that out there? Or well, dabbling yeah. in high yaw? Uh, some, I would say some really strong high yaws. And it was not a, uh, it wasn't a nerves thing. Just there's something going on mechanics wise. I got to get underneath the hood of the car and see what's going on. <laughs> it, it literally might be an under the hood situation because we were talking about this and I can attest to this because you were the exact same golf swing striping the three wood. Oh, yeah. We think it yeah. might be a driver shed setting I don't issue. Know. I don't know. We, we'll have to dive into that. Yeah, we're, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> but one, one of these high yaws was deeply fortuitous because the 12th hole at Cypress Point it's this kind of this slight dog leg to the right where, where your tee is slightly elevated and you're, and you're hitting you know, down to a fairway that immediately turns and you're, and you're hitting kind of slightly uphill into a green that's protected by bunkers on the left side. And the entire right side is just sand dunes. And then, and then above that, it's, you know, the eighth uh, or the ninth and, and, and then eighth hole back up there. So it's this vast expanse of sand dunes coming down. Smiley high hours. It was the it was the high of the day. I think. Yeah, it was great. Uh, Left or right wind, and and once you have you know that a thousand RPMs of spin to the right on the golf ball <laughs> with with a fifteen mile an hour wind. Yeah, it it, it probably went further right than it did go straight. <laughs> and and it, so uh, it had to have been two hundred yards right. I mean, I don't know if that's nah, over that. No, 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 no. Maybe 200 yards right of where I wanted the ball to finish. Yeah, but like from the right edge of the fairway, 100 yards. 100 yards right. So, <laughs> and I have a great picture that uh, uh, perhaps I'll share at some point on social media where it was actually a beautiful day. There was a rainbow behind Smiley. You can make out, it's like a game of Where's Waldo. Smiley is a little speck on top of the sand dude. So he headed up there with, in, in your words, a seven iron and a dream. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I hit a provisional ball that I also hit right that I didn't find. But <laughs> I I immediately Double said, high I said, I said to the caddy, I was like, is there any chance that I can find this golf ball over there? He said, no, probably not. So I was like, OK, I'll just take a seven iron and this will, you know, seven iron in a dream is what I said. And so, uh, the, so then he gets up there, <laughs> he find, finds a golf ball. We're estimating anywhere between 105 and 115 yards in. I can't see. All I can see is like the very top of the pin. I don't know what the green looks like. No, no information. In fact, the caddy's pleading with him. Smiley, please, can we get you a different club? That seven iron is not what you want to hit there. You said, no, I came up with the seven iron dream and I'm leaving in that same fashion. And it was it was dreamlike. It was yeah. an what an open face seven. Yeah, now give us a play by play. There was like it was some fes fescue bush behind my golf ball. So I had to pick it up steep really quick. So the blades wide open playing in like sand dunes. So you can easily chunk it and not go anywhere, but also fescue in front. So as soon as I hit it, I'm going into fescue. So just like a V-shaped swing and just happened to catch it perfectly. And I'm watching this golf ball. I'm like. That actually kind of looks like it could be the number, and y'all were like watching it, just saying, "Oh my gosh!" Like I didn't, I didn't know if it was on the green, and I get up there, and there's a ball two feet, and I was like, "Is that me?" And you're like, "Yo, yeah." <laughs> it, it, and, and I'm telling you, there is literally in between the end of the dune and the beginning of the putting green, there is like maybe uh, three yards of mode area. It hopped once on, like, sat soft, took a roll up, and was you know this far away. When then you, you finish your birdie with your seven iron, greatest shot I've ever seen in my yeah. entire life. Landed that, like a butterfly, it was phenomenal. Sevy of the South. Sevy of the South. <laughs> the Sevy swoop. Uh, Sevy swoop. We, we, Smiley did collect a few nicknames on this trip. Uh, so that, that, that was a ton of fun. We had a great day out there. Um, specials, the sun was setting. Uh, and then, of course, we, so we the projects we have coming up, which we're excited about, are 
we were able to play Spyglass on Saturday. And so, of course, with the way that the, the Pro-Am, the format's changed this year, the, the pros and amateurs played just two rounds together, Thursday, Friday, instead of having a third course in rotation. And so every team, of course, played Spyglass just once. So we had a one-day Spyglass Hill Pro-Am leaderboard that you and I played against uh, with still with the, the tourney signage up. Uh, I was getting six shots uh, per the, the handicap calculation I did. I played the amateur tees. Smiley played uh, the, the pro tees, the tips, uh, so to speak, uh, and with, with no shots, of course. And we're, we're – I'm excited with the golf we played. That was – I had a – I mean, I, I we don't want to give, give away anything. too much. Yeah, we don't want to give anything away I just because we just, want you to watch it. You're going to want to tune in. You're going to want to tune in. We had a day out there. We yeah, had a was, day out there. There was a lot going on uh, compared to, you know, really not playing in any wind at Spyglass. It was super wet. But the following day, <laughs> which is today, and we can hear the wind whistling outside and what we played at. Pacific Grove yeah. Golf Links, which we were having this discussion on the way in, and this is a place that I used to come growing up uh, uh, when um, when I come over to the coast to visit my grandparents, and and the adults would go play the the big fancy courses, and my brother and I would go drive down to at the time was Pacific Grove Muni, PG Muni, and this place is a gym. The back nine of Pacific Grove Muni, I'd put up against any course on the peninsula. They call it Poor Man's Pebble Beach, and so we, of course. This is, this is Sunday we're talking about now. This is the day that, uh, as you might have heard in reports about the Pro-Am delay, there were 30-mile-per-hour winds gusting up to 60 miles per hour. Um, there was rain, driving rain throughout the day. Uh, the, the play was was obviously suspended, no play at all on Sunday. So we thought, hey, you know, it would be a great day to get out and play nine holes at Pacific Grove Muni. And by <laughs> golly, we did it. <laughs> I, I tell you what, I uh, it took all of me to get my body out there to actually go play in those conditions. You know, I, I'm, I'm somebody that really does enjoy playing on days like that, but that was absurd. Really, like, I've never played in conditions like that. I think I hit a driver back into the breeze. It, I think it maybe only went 150 yards. <laughs> and, and then you probably hit another drive on 450 yards. Yeah. On the same golf course. Yeah. It was no, unbelievable. It was it was really difficult. Uh, but it just wasn't you and I. We, we picked up some friends oh, along wow. the way. Shoeless. Shoeless players, really some some characters that uh, we're excited <laughs> to introduce to the show because honestly, they they probably need their own channel. They were uh, quite the electric factory. It, this these I, it, it could not have gone any better today. It was a total wild card. And then we met up with these guys on the 12th tee. And the rest of the round from there, I, I truly amazing. Yeah. So they they that, they started as our hype. That. They started as our hype men, and then they <laughs> turned into just you know they're friends at the beginning of the day in the parking lot. Uh, just some good dudes that were out to watch the Pebble Beach Pro Am. They watched it yesterday on Saturday. We're going to watch it today on Sunday, traveling from Sacramento. And they're like, you know what? We're not going to go back. Let's play some golf. So these are uh, definitely diehard golfers that just picked up the game. They love it. So it was fun for us to. Uh, make new friends, but also have guys that uh, potentially we might have to film again with because they were just uh, a lot of fun. We uh, that was a blast. We should thank the the good people at Pacific Grove Golf Links and with the Pebble Beach Resorts, you know, with the Goddess on Spyglass Hill for setting this up this weekend because it was it was a blast and we're excited to share those videos with you when uh, when we post those in, in a few weeks here. But kind of transitioning out of that, you know, weather was the theme of the day today and weather was the theme of the weekend at the AT&T Pro-Am. Um, it was 
it was a wet week across the board. There were some high winds early in the week. I was in uh, the media center on Wednesday with some light swaying from the ceiling like I was on the Titanic or something. I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and then it kind of calmed, and, and there were better days for, for play on Thursday, Friday, but then um, and, and Saturday as well. But, of course, you know, the, the, the tournament postponed uh, on Sunday. You had a great um, been on tweet because, I mean, we were driving around today. Trees down everywhere, you know, everywhere you're trying to go, not, you know, we've lost power. I should, I should also say that too. Apologies if my research isn't fully up to par because I've been trying to access the internet here and all the <laughs> Wi-Fi is down. Um, so just, you know, where where do you think we we stand? I mean, we're recording this now on a Sunday night. Do you think, do you think they're going to get it in? I don't know when you're going to be watching this, but but I mean, do you think this tournament finishes? It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see us finish up or whenever we get service and 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 pull up twitter and see that the pebble beach pro-am has been officially deemed a 54 hole event which you know cue the, the all the live fans and say oh you can't have a 54 hole event so you know uh it's it's disappointing in the fact i'm sure the pga tour you know being this is the you know the i guess it's the second signature event of the year but this is really the first one that yeah. you know they actually made a pretty big change because this this event typically used to have some stars and uh, the field to go really deep you played three golf courses you know the the rounds have always been very long out here six hour days uh on amazing golf courses and people players um the community love this event Mm. And I think just getting a shot in the arm with, hey, we're actually going to have all the best players come to an iconic venue to play such an amazing place. Um, you know, I would say that it, it it was probably a huge bummer for the PGA Tour because there's you can't beat a, a Sunday at Pebble with the top players coming down the stretch um, on, a, on a golf course like Pebble Beach. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they had to take a backseat today to the Live Golf Tour that happened to be going head to head against them, which their strategy in the past has been, especially for the bigger events. Like we're just going to kind of fill in our spots along the way mm-hmm. on the events of the weaker PGA tour field events. So with that being said, the live golf tour, I think, you know, probably caught more eyeballs than they would would have normally mm-hmm. had, especially it being a pebble beach week, being one of the best weeks of the year where viewers watch because they love the sight sounds. And um, especially the, they had the field. So yeah, um, definitely a huge bummer, uh, especially because after Wyndham Clark shot a 60 on yeah. Saturday, right? Because you, you would have liked to have seen what he would have been able to do backing that up on Sunday, because the hardest thing to do as as a professional golfer is follow up a day where you literally nothing could go wrong. He had 148 foot of put, feet of putts made on Saturday and to follow that up on Sunday, I'm telling you, it would have been really, really difficult for Wyndham to hang on. But listen, I mean, what he did on Saturday, it's, I mean, I guess you would easily say a worthy champion, a guy who just broke the the, the course record at Pebble He's, Beach. He cited either a few stats I wanted to read because it was an amazing Saturday. And uh, you, you are correct. He, sh- he shot uh, a 12 under 60. 
Uh, he made two eagles, nine birdies, and one bogey. Uh, and a couple stats here from Justin Ray, who's phenomenal on this, just at Justin Ray Golf on Twitter. Uh, so Wyndham uh, made 189 feet and nine inches of putts. It's the most in a round at Pebble Beach since tracking began in 2003. And some pr- perspective on that. The final grouping of Oberg, Scheffler, and Dietrich made a combined 158 feet and 10 inches of putts on Saturday. Wyndham Clark made 150 feet and 10 inches on the front nine alone. So hot, hot putter day. Yeah. For the Odyssey Jailbird, all the all the Jailbirds out there, that's that's one of the seventy-two putters I have in my attic. So I think I can claim a little share of that one. Wyndham, of course, is at the top of the leaderboard. Um, you know, at at the time of postponing, Ludwig Oberg uh, is in second, sixteen under. Uh, Matthew Pavon following up on a strong week at Farmers is fifteen under and solo third. And then Mark Hubbard, Thomas Dietrich tied for fourth at fourteen under. Uh, so you know, you, you kind of said it there. You know, Wyndham. Uh, it feels like would be a worthy champion because he because of what he went oh, out yeah. and shot the sixty. What do you think? Because this is a guy who we saw win whatever we were calling it at the time a designated elevated signature event last year at the Wells Fargo, and that was the kind of thing that got him rolling a little bit. And then he goes out and wins the U.S. Open. Um, you know, not that he lost a ton of form at the end of last year, but like, if, is is this kind of a Kickstarter? heading into the to the early major season heading into the players the masters where Wyndham could, could you know really catch fire here early in the season yeah i i think with Wyndham, we don't really know what his ceiling is mm. is that is that fair That's because fair, with yeah. Wyndham, he's so talented his, the talent's there the confidence is there you know he he definitely is not shy about talking about how well he's playing or just his thoughts about uh the game in general he's not really scared to back down from any sort of challenge and you know, I I thought No Laying Up tweeted this out and it made me kind of ponder a little bit about it, just saying that, you know, Wyndham could have easily been in Mayakoba this week. He was one yeah. of the players that I had heard um, through my sources was, you know, very much in deep, deep conversations to join the Live Golf Tour. And who knows if he will down the road. It's hard to say, but there was definitely general interest mm-hmm. of, hey, like, here's my number and, you know, he eventually decided to stay with the PGA Tour. And I think it's good to see a player that was so recently rumored in these conversations as soon as, you know, a week or two ago to be able to say, you know what, I'm here. I'm going to go and and prove a point that I, I can be one of the stars on the PGA Tour. And for him to go out and potentially win this event, if it's shortened to 54 holes, I think it's a big step. And um and he's beaten, you know, like just look at this field. I I, I kind of go down and I want to just mention just like this. You mentioned the top five, but mm-hmm. I want to go down the board a little bit of, of players that um, that were a disappointment this week. Mm. And I think the disappointment, um, I think it starts with Rory. He was a guy that came in with a ton of confidence playing so well in Dubai, winning over there. He was at 200 T66, Hovland at 300, and Homa also at, at 200 T66. So there's three players right mm-hmm. now, right there that if you would put a, a bubble around those three guys and said what type of start to the year would they get off to, I think you would have put all those three guys on a short list of players to do what Rom did last year, mm-hmm. which was you know win early in the season to start getting that momentum ready um, as they had had toward you know building a you know a a case to to be able to say, hey, I'm ready to take on the Masters and, and win a green jacket. Uh, I have good news for you, and I have breaking news for you. Okay. And I'll give them to you in that order. Good news. Wi-Fi is now working. Okay. Breaking news. 
They called the AT&T Pro-Am. Wyndham Clark is your winner. So we got in time for the show record. How about that? Breaking news happening right here live in our first in-person smiley show. Wyndham Clark wins the tournament. So we, we can call it official now. And, and I think all the things you just said absolutely apply of just, you know, here's a guy. How did you see that? Like, what? Did it, it just? It's a little, it's these, these things on your notifications. Oh, okay. On okay. Your phone, you know, I was about you to did. say, like, you just did like a. <laughs> have a stats. You were looking at me, but also like. How did you do that on your phone? Okay. All right. Okay. Technology. Mag the magic of technology. It's like, is there like a Twitter Twitter board it, behind there's me? A, there's a prompter over there, and then the research department's right back there, and that's where the VIP sit over there. So, yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's. You got something in here as well? Like Yeah, I do. Yeah, they got the, the production truck. They're off-site. Uh, yeah, so, so Wyndham wins. Um, and I think that that's... It, it's a shame that they don't it was get the right decision. Sunday. It's a right decision. It was the right decision. Like if you, for us that we've been here, like yeah. it's 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 a dangerous situation. I saw a yeah. tree down on a car. A tree fell right in front of us driving today. I mean, it's it's scary in this in this forest area because mm -hmm. there's so many trees. And I think the biggest issue is just the. I mean, the tents are probably everywhere out there. Yes. Uh, and just they they had to get teed off by 10 a.m. And if maybe they could have teed off it at, at noon um, at the latest, but you're going to, you're talking about a cleanup and, mm -hmm. and they couldn't go into Tuesday. So to me, it was the right decision, even though it, it, it stinks 54 holes at Pebble, which seemed like they needed one more round to, to determine this champion. And I think it's interesting too. It's like, you know, you're thinking about, could you, could you assemble a workforce to clean up the course in time? Like probably, but they're also like pressing human safety concerns on the Monterey Peninsula that you have to go, you know, yeah, it's, to clean those things. And it'll like, be dark in the morning when they're trying to clean yeah. up. And if, if you recall, there's cliffs out there. <laughs> so <laughs> Jordan Spieth might know a thing or two about the, uh, the cliffs out there. Uh, one I wanted to, to kind of ping you, cause we, we, we have some other topics, of course, we want to get to here, but just talking about the changing nature of this event. And I, you know, I, I guess for me coming into the week, someone who grew up in California, who, went to this tournament a ton when I was growing up and loved it. Uh, now understanding your and many other players frustrations around the six hour rounds, that's obviously never yeah. fun, but um, you know, but still coming over and, 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 you know, seeing Bill Murray and all the sort of, you know, the celebs that were a yeah. part of it and wondering whether this year was going to have that same sort of energy or what it was going to feel like. And we heard from some players early in the week, Justin Thomas, uh, we talked to Ricky Fowler who said, you know what? It's like, it's really nice being able to get through practice rounds faster and just, you know, not have to worry about waiting all the time. Like for the players, it's a lot of a better experience. Two courses. Two two courses really simplifies it. So, I mean, it, I think it's it's hard to look back at this week without looking at the weather element and the role that it played in shaping the tournament. But I, I hope the tour looks at it and says, okay, that's a box checked. We like the way that looks. We want that to be our premier pro-am. And then maybe saying, if we want to have a fun pro-am, Shoot, we got the Amex and Palm Springs or Indio, whatever location they're telling us it, it officially hosts that tournament. You know, we have that as a golf in a dome situation just weeks prior where we could send more fun people down there on a vacation of sorts and maybe make that the one that has that vibe. I don't know. I, anything about the week that st stood out to you as maybe being, being different at all? Um you know, I, I think just the just the field itself, when you look at the leaderboard, I think it just the, the added element of that. I think mm -hmm. to me, uh, Pebble Beach, it, it's a deserving of a field like we saw this week. Would I have loved to seen uh, multiple live players playing here as well with the game's best with the major type of field? Yeah, absolutely. That would be sweet. 
But right now where we're at in the game, it just seems like we're a, a little bit away from, you know, these these two tours uh, potentially coming together. Well, let's let's move on in that direction. Actually, one quick one before we go. Uh, Ludwig Oberg. We're saying his name different again. Yeah. Do we have feelings about that? Thoughts about that? You know, next week it might be something different. So <laughs> <laughs> I, li- I received a video that he recorded uh, you know, from the tour, but like, you know, this is what I want to be called. Uh, we, we can't say that we kind of have cornered the market on last name change discussion, because as I said, a number of months ago, I was going from Hume to home, although that's, um, that's one's having a hard time sticking. We had Dylan, many people think Dethier on recently, actually the chair. Yeah. And now we have Oberg. So, uh, for what it's worth, Ludwig Ober, we're now calling him that. We're not messing it up. He wants to be called that. Um, let's talk live. And you and I kind of talked before the show about just this topic in general and coverage of live and the way that's been a divisive thing, you know, for people who are fans of the game and consume the game. Uh, and I think we're at a point now and curious for your thoughts on this, too, where we kind of have to talk about this. Now, we're not saying we co-sign it or, or you know we, we would like it or don't like it or anything in the nature we're just saying that we're in a situation where if these two leagues come back together and if if a pathway is created to majors for live players we're going to need to watch that tour and cover that tour and talk about it so to, to fully give you the listener and the viewer a picture of what's happening in the golf world do you well, think that's fair yeah and and just to add on the opposite side of that if the PGA Tour players eventually are playing live events. So if let's yeah. say the live calendar, it will just be in the fall. So that is a potential thing that could happen as well is, you know, we might see a global type of type of tour where these players are back playing again together. And then the live concept lives in the fall, lives mm. in the fall. How about that? Oh. <laughs> uh. Marketing departments, we have any, we, we, we do branding here as well, apparently. Hold on. I feel like when we talk about live though, we need to have like some, some music going just like <laughs> as soon as we hit our live like section. Live intro. Yeah, yeah. no, it's just, just, like, we're, we're talking like, Hey, we're, we're here we're no, doing the just, podcast. Just background like music, you know? Yeah. yeah. When, why don't we talk about this? While the other person does it. <laughs> I mean, I, I saw. I think I saw it was on Twitter today. You might have seen the same thing where um, Flushing at Golf, who I think a lot of people they'll they'll call that a pro live account, and, and that may very well be the case. But just talking about the production of the of the events and how the quality of the production has evolved and changed and gotten better over time. But just the the thing that continues to drive him and many nuts is that music. And I, I just wonder on that. At a certain point, do you say um, we were trying lots of stuff? We thought that would add to a fun vibe. Now we have like John Rahm on this tour who might absolutely lose it if he's hearing some bass drop in his backswing. Uh, maybe we just maybe we put that in a different locations so we don't hear that when guys are on the course. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't really have any takes on what what they should do different. You know, I, have, <laughs> <laughs> I think the music's a funny bit right now. So I'm I'm here I'm here for the annoying music. I guess. Yes. Yes. Okay. We'll we'll work that into future pod pods. We I, we'll get our sound director back in the truck on that. Yeah. Drop a little uh, a little uh, drop for us. Uh, but I mean the the big news early in the week out of live. Joaquin Newman shoots fifty nine. Um, you know, so on a weekend where we had you know Wyndham shooting sixty, that's that's a big one. Uh, no matter where you do it, and especially at a former PGA Tour venue. So yeah. there's, you know, there's real legitimacy to this versus, and it's not to 
to poo-poo what Bryson did last year at Greenbrier, but like that was that was an old PGA Tour venue as well, but one that was like noted for how short it was and how gettable it was. And so this is this is you know a very legit score. And you know I'm curious what thoughts you have there on on Joaquin Joaquin's performance and then just his year in general, right? Where like he was outside of the top 50 in the OWGR and trying to find his way into majors and then kind of went on this sort of uh, journey in the past couple months of trying to play in all these various events to get enough ranking points to get to that top 50 level prior to the Masters. There was a couple players that I felt like made the wrong decision because I felt like they could have been global superstars. Mm -hmm. Joaquin Neiman and there's a couple other players as well. I just thought... Why like why go? You yeah. know, because you have you have the talent to win so many major championships and you have nothing to say that, hey, like who's who's gonna get him into a major championship besides going to play in other events? He he tried to do it. He won the Aussie Open at a top five as well, uh, before the end of the year, and he still finished at sixty-sixth mm-hmm. in the official world golf ranking, which falls, you know, sixteen spots short of making, you know, he I guess there's a chance that but he's going to keep falling. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. He's going to keep falling. He's got to keep playing other events that give him world ranking points. And it's it's the old saying goes, it's, oh, look at the consequences of my own actions, right? Like, <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, like, like when the first thing he says is, you know, man, I just want to be in the majors. It's like, dude, you this you knew Not that it. this yeah. was this could happen. Yeah. You know, like this was going to happen when you signed the deal what it was a year and a half ago and say, well, you know, you're exempt through the majors, like just doing the math probably through, you know, through next year. And then after that, it's hopefully they get world ranking points mm-hmm. and we, and you can eventually play your way into the major championships. And that was the risk that players like Joaquin made and, and where other players like Bryson and Brooks mm-hmm. Kepka and Dustin Johnson, when they made the jump, they knew that they still would be able to play in the events that mean the most, which is the major championships. Mm-hmm. Now, we can all complain about how Joaquin Neiman's a world-class player and that yeah. he should be at the majors. Yeah, I, I would love to see Joaquin at the majors, but like you can't break up the whole system because one player made a decision with the information that he knew that yeah. he wasn't guaranteed to be in the major championships. So... I have I have no sympathy. I think he's a an incredible player, I, I, incredible talent. That is a guy that should probably win major championships. But listen, this is he signed the he signed the deal and and he got paid the money. It's which one did you want? Like which one did you value more at the time? Because Joaquin would have made a ton of money last year. Ton, ton, ton. of money. <laughs> I was talking to someone about this earlier in the week and just the thought process behind some of these guys. We, it, it was around the same time that Tyrrell Hatton was being officially announced. You know, it was, he was reported for a number of days, and then he officially joined uh, John Rahm's team. And, and they were just saying that some of the younger guys, when asked about, um, you know, did you, you know, why did you go knowing those were the potential consequences if that was a priority to you? And the answer was effectively for a lot of those guys, Greg Norman told us that we were going to get world ranking points, like that it was going to happen. Now, I still don't have a ton of sympathy in that scenario because it's like it, you're just going to take that at face value without any you know, yeah. calculus to whether or not like why is why am I being told that? I, I also understand why Greg Norman does it because he's trying to get guys to his league and, and, he's, and he's making a play. But, you know, I think to me, it's like that would not have been enough information 
to just say, okay, I trust this is going to work out and I trust that I'm going to be able to play in the things that I want to play in. And that's happening at a lot of levels. I mean, it's happening for at a younger player level for Joaquin Neiman. Um, it's happening, you know, and, and that's for the majors. Well, how about Sergio Garcia wanting to play in the Ryder Cup and not, and trying to pay a, close to a million dollars in fines just to, to get a consideration for the team. So it, it's it's... It's interesting, and I wonder what you would think or propose there in terms of how you solve that problem. Because it feels like, you know, each of these different governing bodies that run the majors, you know, Augusta National and the USGA and the RNA, PGA of America. It's like, you know, I don't know that you'd want to create a, a category where like five live guys, the top five live guys get spot spots because like, you know, you can't really control for the quality of that competition who's going to be up there. But maybe it is just sort of like a, a set of special invitations that we can dole out to make sure that Joaquin or Taylor Gooch or whoever is there so that these guys, so it's the strongest field you can possibly have for a major. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, we've talked about that, right? Yeah. Like that maybe that's the way to do it. But really the Masters is probably the one event of the four that they really can do whatever they want. That's kind of how they've always mm -hmm. done things. Mm -hmm. And to me, the U.S. Open the open championship and the PGA championship. I just, I, I don't see those organizations being the USGA, the RNA and, and the PGA of America. I just don't see them, them doing it. Mm -hmm. They allow live players to play. I just don't see yeah. them changing. Qualify in. Yeah. I, you know, there's probably qual. Yeah. They just need yeah. to qualify and they're, they can, you know, right. they, <laughs> and they can probably and should go do it. And um, yeah, just, the live the live week as in general i mean besides joaquin winning yeah um i think the the other storyline that nobody's really talked about a ton was um well, well first the legion team won and and who was on team. that team <laughs> it, it was caleb surratt and yeah. he was a player that we've talked about on the show you know nick dunlap caleb surratt and uh gordon Sargent. i mean those are three of the the biggest stars in the game mm -hmm. coming up it's mm -hmm. the next United States generation of players that, you know, are the the Jordan Spieth, the Justin Thomases, the guys that can win majors and kind of carry the American side of the sport. But Caleb and, and Nick, I think, is an interesting debate. Mm -hmm. And what we've seen in the last two weeks, right? Nick Dunlap goes and wins mm -hmm. the MX. He takes up PGA Tour status, probably signs some some pretty big deals. And but he didn't make any money for winning the MX. So he's got zero dollars from winning that. And he even talked about it. Um, and then he shows up to Pebble this week. He he finishes last. Yeah. Um, and, and we're not going to like judge Nick's game this week. No. The guy showed up. You had dinner with him the other night and he yeah. said he was dead tired. Yeah. So completely yeah. gassed. Yeah. And and then I think the other side of it. So let's look at Caleb Surratt. So his first start on the live golf league finishes 13th makes mm -hmm. $350,000 had a signing bonus that probably <laughs> was over a million dollars that you would have to think to get mm -hmm. him to, to turn pro and their team won, which is a $3 million uh, win for the, yeah. the Legion team split up between four ways. The guy just, you know, I don't know if, if the money goes back in towards the teams or if they mm -hmm. take cash from that at all, but let's say they just split it four ways and, and he had some type of cash or equity into the team with it. He made over a million dollars. So we got a guy that 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 won on the PGA Tour as an amateur, takes up status. He signed big deals. Yeah. And then we have another player who who signed a live contract of multi probably million dollar deal and and gets off to a great start with a 13th place finish that that netted him probably around million dollars. Just I think it's a fascinating conversation of like, OK, Nick has less money 
but he's got more opportunity, more opportunity to get into major championships mm-hmm. and more opportunity to, you know, make a, a more of a name himself because guess what hasn't happened on the live golf tour yet. They haven't produced a young star. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that the closest thing that you could say to, to them developing a young star is Eugenio Shakara, I think, won that live event pretty early on. I, I literally didn't even know that name is. Like if you right. if you'd have gave me a four, like if you'd have gave me four <laughs> names, I wouldn't have picked that name. I seriously don't even know who that is. <laughs> I know what he looks like, but I don't know what his I don't know anything about him. Well, and I think that speaks to Shame on me. I don't know. Well, I mean, I but, but I think what that speaks to is is, you know, what how are you trying to develop as a young star? Is it all tied to financial? Is it, hey, if I get X amount of money, I can do all the things in my life that I want to do and play golf for, you know, as long as I'm good at the game, you know, and that's good enough for me. Because if if, if Liv checks all those boxes for you personally, that's, I, I totally understand why you would go. But I think that, and, and the Dunlap thing is interesting because this is going back to the conversation we had after the Amex where you're like, can you imagine if Bezadenhout wins in a playoff and and so he doesn't. Nick does not earn his tour membership, and Lives comes knocking. And by the way, we've heard some reports. I don't know how you know, true or not they are, but he got a after the Amex win. Nick got a sizable offer to go over to Live, understandably so. But but I I think that that you know probably what he had to mull over there is I have a tour win now. I'm gonna be playing in all these signature events, and you know those come with elevated purses. So you know even if I finished at last like that's coming with some sort of chunk of change if i play better than that i can make a lot of money here and i have a a long-term legacy that i've started on this tour i mean that that amex win will forever be iconic and so he has a story that's told on this tour so so it's kind of like i don't care how much money you're going to give me a live even if i can make half of that money on the course i can double that off the course and all these endorsements for people who want to work with the pga tour now does that change long term depending on who the PGA Tour is aligned with and where they're getting the money? Maybe so, but at the time, it's it's it it is a really interesting juxtaposition between Dunlap and Sarah. And 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 how about on Caleb's side? Like, did he sign that deal thinking that this is all going to come back together soon? And then in the wake of everything mm. this week on the SSG deal and saying you know it may be further away, how does he feel about that deal now? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think Caleb knows. I don't think he's got a clue. Yeah. I just think he got a good offer, opportunity to be mentored and and play with John Rahm. I think is an opportunity Huge. that a young player, you know, probably would consider. Right? You know, yeah. get you go from traveling in in team vans to traveling in in <laughs> private jets and and playing for a purse that's insane. Really, you know, like the purses that they're playing for every week is it's it's crazy because. Um, what's happened to the PGA tour and the PIF being so heavily, you know, funding this, mm-hmm. this live golf venture. It's so hard to compete with yeah. them financially. And I think that's what's happened this week in the, in the news cycle here on the PGA tour with Rory McIlroy. I think he's just finally figured out yeah. in business. Guess what? Guess who wins money, <laughs> right? For the most part, money wins. And I think that's the one thing that I've kind of come around to with Rory is that, okay, yes, he's backtracked on everything, but also you got to remember that he was told, you know, this, this entire entire deal from the PGA tour side. And then we have Rory's side, which now is, 
He's he's backtracked on a ton. The players on the Live Golf Tour used to give him a ton of grief, and now they're like, oh, he's finally coming around to it. And <laughs> but it's I don't know if 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 he's just seen the light. He's talked to more people over at the Saudis, which to me, you would have to like for in order to to change direction so drastically on this, you have to think like he's had a lot of lot of deep conversations with not only our side but the other side because yes. you can't see middle ground unless unless you're talking to both sides 100 percent, and i think that it, it it rory's positions changing in some ways is is commendable for having the ability to evolve as new information is presented but in other in, in another way, you kind of wonder if, you know, would I have said all of that out loud, you know, right away? Like if, if I if I didn't have all the information gathered, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that, you know, he is where he is now. And, and this kind of takes us into this, you know, the, the, the report earlier in the week about the PJ Tours uh, deal with the strategic sports group. So I'll, I just want to read a little section here from the fried egg we kind of put together. Of like, what does this mean? You know, just basic top line information. You have some additional information I think helps yeah. set the table for how this whole thing is going to work. And then I definitely want to talk about Rory's comments and, and Jordan's comments this week and how they kind of you know were not necessarily at odds with each other, but just two differing viewpoints on this topic. So this, this is from the Fried Egg. On Wednesday, the PGA Tour announced a multi-billion dollar investment deal with a strategic sports group. It is a consortium of high-profile investors with extensive experience in capital markets and the sports industry. SSG is led by Fenway Sports Group, a Boston-based holding company. The announced deal, which includes an initial investment of $1.5 billion and up to a $3 billion total future investment, provides the tour with financial security as it navigates its ongoing negotiation slash battle with Live Golf and the PIF. The deal includes the launch of PGA Tour Enterprises, a new for-profit entity in which SSG will be a minority investor. So that's kind of the top line information. What additional insight do you have now on how that's going to work from the player side? Yeah, I would say like where the PGA Tour players um, probably feel like in this that this is a win. I would say three areas. I would say one, you know, they didn't do the deal with PIF first because the framework agreement mm -hmm. just basically had do the PGA tour doing a deal with the PIF. So now you're taking away the, the potential of we didn't do a great deal. Like we get down the line four or five years from now or a year from now or 10 years from now. And we're like, man, that deal wasn't great for us. So we bringing in private equity, number one gives you comfort and like, okay, we are in a better negotiating position now and we have money back behind us. We don't have to, you know, you're never going to win the money battle against the Saudis in this. So it's Correct. it's more of like we're showing up with a little bit more than what we had, which is yeah. before it was just the reserves, right? Like right. Reserves. And then and then you have also the, the conversation of, OK, well, you just keep on going to ask sponsors for more and more and more. Eventually, that that well is going to run out. And we saw with a couple events already with Wells Fargo pulling out and mm -hmm. farmers being the next. So. That's that's one area. So like one one spot is that you're not doing a bad deal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The second part I would say is that the the PGA Tour board now has the voting power. So the stuff that happened on June sixth, just how it how it went down, like that that can't really happen again. Mm -hmm. You can't really approve anything like this. I know it was a framework, but still, 
they have seven seats on both boards, one being the the PGA Tour Enterprises and then then just the policy board. So seven seats of the 13. So now the players really feel like they're in control. Mm. And then and then it goes back to, all right, so how can you reward the PGA Tour players for their loyalty? And that's kind of this equity program that's come about with the PGA Tour and the SSG group. Mm-hmm. And it's a $940 million initial investment to the players that's going to be given to the players as equity. We're not really sure how to liquidate this money yet, but as it stands now, the top 36 players, and that's not like top 36 players on the FedEx cup. That's top 36 players with probably a ton of different categories that they, they mixed where it's probably, you know, major wins, wins on the PGA tour, how much money you've made, um, and that's kind of one of the categories that that's going to determine, you know, who's going to be getting this this chunk of the the top 36. And it's and I'll, I'll say this, it's important to be in the top 36 in this because seven hundred fifty million dollars of the nine hundred forty million dollars is going to that top 36. Mm-hmm. So you have to assume that Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy are going to be two guys that are going to be heavily paid in this. And yes. that's one of the reasons why it, it's confusing to me why John Rahm left. And I, I really felt like he would have been paid very well yeah. um, through this equity program. I don't know how much and how right. comparable it would have been. Only John Rahm and his team knows how much he got paid over at the Live Golf Tour. Um, but uh, the, the next 36 players after that, that initial list that gets to $750 million, they're going to be fighting for... 190 million dollars and i say we're fighting for 190 million is still a lot of money so that's 36 to 72 and i'll and i'll finish with this and that that's not just the same categories they're trying to fit in this area of how are we going to reward up-and-coming stars guys like ludwig huge guys like ludwig ober oberg oberg Oberg. ludwig oberg it's gonna take take us some time (laughs) a guy like him a guy like nick dunlap how can we get players to feel like they have a, a piece of equity in this game um, yeah, because that's what the live golf tour can promise right now is like, Hey, we can pay you equity in our tour, which is a pretty big contract. Yeah. And, and it would make sense to, to, to reward these, these young stars to feel like they are a part of this growing PGA tour. And, um, the last piece of that is, is listen, the PGA tour didn't just start last week. The PGA mm-hmm. tour has been going on for a long time. And I think the players that are here now, you know, they weren't the guys that paved the way for this tour. It was the it was the Tiger Woods era. It was the Jack Nicholas era. It was Arnold Palmer. You know, so many legends of the game. They deserve a, a cut in the equity of this PGA Tour enterprises as well. So we're it's going to be interesting to see where they're going to draw the line of like who's the cutoff player of who well, who deserves equity in the PGA right. Tour. I I think that th- those are where my questions lie. Is basically if you're telling me. The big win out of this was this private equity, this this equity structure for current tour pros. Um, you know, my questions are: first of all, it, it seems like it's a pretty you know right place, right time if you're one of those top thirty six guys in this very moment. You know, because I mean, like, because I'm I'm trying to think about what like the top thirty six in the world looks like right now and, and it's it's the fedex cup it's just, so, so, I mean, <laughs> it looks like the fedex it looks cup like the, the, the owgr so, which we have we have plenty of issues with and that i wanted to mention that because we kind of yeah. talked about live and in general we have all the issues with owgr yes. we want that whole system blown up right so we we do we do stand for a, a reshaping of this so 
continue. Right. Sorry. Well, no, no. I, I I think that those are all like great points and, and, and questions I have as well. Um, you know, but, but I, I just wonder. Uh, like, I, like I think about, and this is not to use like one cherry picked example, but and, and maybe he he is getting taken care of. But think about a guy like Daniel Berger, who's like a top ten, top twenty player in the world. Two Ryder Cups ago, at Whistling Straits was on that team, and would would have probably you think would have been in like that top thirty six sort of you know, deal. Then he gets hurt and, and is out of the picture for a while. And I can't imagine he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be unless I don't know something behind the scenes. But I just wonder how that the you know how's the initial equity distribution going to work, and and mm-hmm. and are there going to be guys in there that are there going to be guys that miss out that should have earned more, and how fluid is that going forward? And you kind of I mean you noted it with with the the young and up and comers. That's why I wonder about the fluidity of just you know how much more equity is being created and not being a finance guy i'm not i'm not much of an expert there but if you have like a nick dunlap or a ludwig oberg that comes up and you're like man we really need to create something for this guy you know to keep him here long term if we're fighting a fight against live you know can you just you know tap up a zillion shares and 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 make it look like it's not cash it's all yeah it's not cash you know again not not a finance guy, <laughs> but these are the questions I have in this whole thing. And it sounds, it sounds like those are, you know, being actively worked on and answered, you know, by the people who are working. Yeah. On and you know, you mentioned Daniel Berger where he would, a, a player like him would fit in, but also let's, let's, let's look past him. You know, the PGA tour last year, one of the big things that they've incorporated into kind of how the FedEx cup works and eligibility is, is the partnership with the DP world tour. And yeah. the DP World Tour players, you know, for first off, I mean, a great way to get a player to come over and, and listen, Matthew Pavon, a great yes. week here at the Pebble Beach, a top five here, but also winning last week in San Diego. Like, OK, here's a player that now is an up and coming PGA Tour star. And that's what, you know, what can happen on the PGA Tours is that Matthew Pavon turns into a household name because of the eyeballs that he gets. And. I will say that it's great to me. At first, I was kind of questioning how the DP World Tour would fit into all this mm-hmm. because, you know, I always like to build from from the Corn Ferry Tour and have more guys come up from there. But having guys like Nikolai Hoygaard and Rasmus Hoygaard mm-hmm. and Matthew Bavon and players coming that are, that are younger that can feed into this PGA Tour, because right now I think the biggest argument that you can make is that the Live Golf Tour – is more European, more right? Global tour, and more absolutely. of a global tour, yeah. and that the PGA Tour, I think that you could say, is too American. Mm-hmm. Like all of the guys that have committed to stay are American, except for you know Rory McIlroy, Victor Hovland, being the, like Ludwig, the two main yeah. big guys, and Ludwig yeah. that have stayed, um, and plenty others that have as well. But just kind of noting that, hey, totally, I think that was actually a very strategic move at the time. Was because DP World Tour at one point was looked upon being a chess piece in all of this. Like, hey, if we get the DP World Tour with the Live Golf Tour, this is how we find world ranking points. And they it, they try to do it with the Asian Golf Tour and yeah. having players to go over there. But what besides like Patrick Reed and, and Joaquin, these Dustin Johnson ain't going over to Asia to play in the, in in an event that's exactly you know that's the the biggest thing. There. Well, I think with Live too, it's like you know some of those guys. I mean, I think your point is exactly correct on on DJ, where it's like I'm doing this 
because they're paying me more money and I get to play less golf. So I'm probably not going to play more golf. And he doesn't care about his world ranking. <laughs> At this point, I feel like he's done what he's wanted to do in this game. And of course, of course, he wants to go and compete these tournaments and compete to live. But, you know, it, it's it's not a situation where he's as hard pressed as a Joaquin Neiman is to go out and play a bunch of DP World Tour events because he's still young and he wants to you know play the majors. So um, it, it, it's I, I do wonder often about the DP World Tour and how they feel about all this because they were named, people forget that they were one of the three parties named in that uh, initial announcement of that framework deal, you know, when it was announced on June 6th. And, you know, then as the coming months came and, and they're talking you know, a couple of years ago, the strategic partnership that, or alliance they formed. And really all that we've seen come of that is like, we're just going to ship our 10 best players your direction at the end of the season. And we're going to send back everyone from 125 to like 170 or whatever it is. And I don't know about them, but that doesn't seem like a great deal for the DP world tour. And so I don't know what their involvement is um, in, in this particular SSG deal. Keith Pelly is departing that head role at the DP world tour to go work for uh, the Maple Leaf, you know, sports entertainment group, whatever it's called in Toronto. Um, so there, that that's going to be an interesting future for that tour as they figure out how they fit into the whole structure. Did they even get acquired by the PGA Tour and become a European, you know, I hate to use the word, yeah. feeder tour of sorts? I don't know. I don't well, know. Well, I think, I think there needs to be a feeder tour element in it because I think yeah. right now, you know, the PGA Tour, is it's the biggest market. Right. You know, this it, they've, it's been proven to be able to commercialize and at a very high level. And when I kind of think about just the live golf tour as it moves forward, um, especially towards a merger, you know, like yeah. as, we, as we start talking about, like, do we see a merger happening in all this? And I don't know what, like, to me, it seems like next year it's, I, I've been pushing for this to come together yeah. and hoping that it's a big blow up. And, and I, you just mentioned the DP world tour. I think that it, we've started to see it a little bit with the PGA tour starting to incorporate an event from there, having the yes. Scottish open, but I think in a, a perfect world, you have a rotation of, you know, it'd be sweet to have an Irish Open, 100%. you know, the BMW, that's such a big event over there. And then, um, you know, all, we go all the way back to like the beginning of this year, talking about those events in Dubai, you know, like those are events that players uh, right. like Cameron Young played this year. Um, and we saw Brian Harmon play as well. So there's there is a calendar in which a global tour can exist yes. with the live tour as well, being in the fall and then in creating um, a platform for all these guys to play in a, in a very big tour. I just don't know how it's going to work in 2025 to me, although I want it to happen. It seems a little too soon. I think, I think you're, I share that same skepticism. You know, just, I, I know we're, we're, you know, in February, so there should be a lot of time, but I just feel like that, I'm, I'm, we don't even know what the state of the current PGA Tour PIF negotiations is right now. We don't know like when they're going to get back on the horn. I mean, well, shoot. We heard Jay's got Yasser's number. We, <laughs> we, we, we heard that six months after the initial you know deal was done, they talked again for a second time. Like I, I'm not highly optimistic about the, the level of progress they're making there. Um, I would say that, um, that, that I, I so agree with you on the DP World Tour you know, course of action, or whatever you want to call it, is I would just love to see more of those events elevated, and even the off-season ones as co-sanctioned events, like the the is it the Joburg opener or not? What what was the event that Max and JT Ned played Bank. in? The South Ned Africa. Bank, yeah. like you know, like let's let's 
let's sanction events, co-sanction events on all different parts of the world so you can truly call the yeah. PGA Tour a global tour. Yeah. I mean, I think it'd be really cool. So um, the, the, the last piece, well, there are two last pieces that I want to kind of talk about. One is, the first is just the juxtaposition of Jordan Spieth's comments and Rory McIlroy's comments. And, you know, this is where I'm going to apologize for not reading them verbatim because the whole internet situation on the peninsula. But, you know, effectively, and we talked about it, Rory said... Um, he'd like to see all the live guys welcome back without penalty. And, you know, Jordan had a series of comments, you know, one kind of saying, Hey, look, that's Rory's opinion. He's entitled to that. You know, some guys agree with that. Some guys don't agree with that. Um, and then in talking about the SSG deal, he basically said, this kind of means we don't really have to do a PIF deal if we don't want to, like it still could happen, but it, it means we, we don't have to. So to me, those things are kind of diametrically opposed, you know, like if you don't do a PIF deal, Live guys probably aren't coming back. Uh, so I'm just curious what you made of what both those guys said in the media this week and, and you know, how do you think that goes down internally of a guy who <laughs> left the policy board and yeah, Speed took his role right? on the policy board? It seems like two guys that have been talking to two different people, right? <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think Jordan and, and the rest of the policy board have been very focused on getting this the SSG deal completed, done, voted on, and approved. So once that's like in their rearview mirror, I think they were like, Finally, it's done. All of these phone calls and conversations to try to Golly, to vet the equity, to vet to vet the private co uh, equity companies. You know that was a big to do figuring out which one they're going to pick. Right. Then they pick it. Now it's all the due diligence phase of what the valuation is going to be. So finally, they get to the end, and then we get here this week, and and then of course questions are going to come to policy board members. It's part of their duty to answer those questions. But then you have Rory coming out, who's who's obviously like he's connecting these conversations, right. but also it's I thought it was a little unfair to the all the to the members of the tour, to the policy board members to go out on a limb and just say, like, we should be partnering with the PIF right now. And it's like <laughs> we should play dude, golf like, on the moon. Like, I mean, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> we needed like you got to take care of your house first. Yeah. You know, like you yeah. needed to get your 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 affairs in order. And they weren't. They've been they've been playing reactionary games this entire time and when you're when you're constantly having to be the second one in 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 making a move you're just never in a in a position of negotiation power yeah. to be to be you know to have the best deal for the for the tour and the players and and now in this whether there are issues and how the equity is going to be distributed or not i think that's going to be a big conversation moving forward but still i mean I, I, I thought those comments from Rory could have waited a little bit mm. as as this thing kind of settled in and said, like, hey, what why, why don't I talk to some, some of the policy board who this is what I was supposed to do? Like, this was the duty that I had before I left. So I just I thought it was a little little selfish on his part in those comments. But I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I mean, I think it's interesting. It's like if I'm trying to play both sides of it, I'm saying, you know, Rory is a guy who. We 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 agreed he probably could could feel pretty hard done by after June sixth, you know when he's been the the poster boy for a yeah we we and, we and, we built built him up more than anybody and and, and, and he, this happens and it's so I I can see why Rory would end up in in an, in an exasperated place where basically he's like I, I really don't want to talk about this anymore but like if you if you want to know whether or not like sure get, bring the little guys back I don't care like I have my own investments my own money I tried to be a part of this thing and and it didn't really work out the way I wanted it to work out for me so now I'm done 
that having been said, in the same way that, you know, when, when there were all the comments, you know, last kind of fall, when we were talking about, you know, there are a number of different people saying, we're not so sure we're going to cut a deal with the PIF and, and, you know, we, we haven't even really spoken to them for negotiations and that kind of spurred them mm. into going out and signing ROM and then kind of bringing the PGA tour back to the negotiating table. You know, if I'm going to critique that public statement weakening a negotiating position, I must also do the same thing as you said with Rory. It's like, you can't going out and saying that does, does what for you? Like it just kind of puts an opinion out there and, and it makes it so the next time your your former policy board mates step it's, into a it's room. Your, it's your big star, right? Yeah. It's your it's, big star. He, he can say, look, he wants us to come back together. So you should probably do it. It just it switches the leverage. So I, I wholeheartedly agree with what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, you know what? And I'm a big fan of Rory's, big fan of his game, big fan of what he did for the tour, you know, over the last couple of years. And, you know, it's just it's just tough because he obviously yeah. sees, you know, a way in which all this can work. And I think he's got in his head of what it this global tour will look like. And then I bet he has got some question marks a little bit on how that equity is going to be distributed mm -hmm. because, you know, that's a that's seven hundred fifty million dollars is a pretty big number. What's what's his chunk of change? Because he you know, he's he has been, you know, one of the biggest faces to this PGA yeah. Tour for for a decade now. So what what is his equity piece compared to what is number thirty six? Right. Which is going to be, you know, is, is it going to be as as highly weighted to the top guys which we expect or is it going to be a little bit more like evened out from mm -hmm. 1 to 36 that to me where that that would be a an issue for Rory I would imagine if if the 36 guys making pretty close to what the number 1 guys making in equity it, it's it is kind of amazing how all this stuff ends up becoming pitting different sections of the tour against each other yeah. and, and and it's just it'll be very interesting to see how Why that 36 I wonder uh, you you it's <laughs> such it, a it weird number. Odd. You you'd have to assume that they it's top thirty FedEx Cup Tour Championship. Right, thirty six is just an odd. Maybe, maybe it's like a top. It's a guys who made it to to East Lake plus like six guys who didn't. You know, like uh, I you know. Well, this Justin is Thomas. this is this Justin isn't Thomas just, probably deserves. This you know, isn't just this year. This is right. over. You know, number of right or Tiger included. I, I'd assume they probably hired some consultant or company to evaluate a, a, a holistic value for each of these guys and they use the top 36 I, who knows uh but it is it is a very odd number um uh, it's actually an even number and it is i i will say that if it was an odd number i would have hated it like if they said 37 i would have been like oh i hate it <laughs> 37 pieces of equity just doesn't doesn't yeah, sit well 37 no, is a, a bad number that's a terrible number that's, that's a, like one of the worst numbers that i feel like you could have said yeah or 19 like 19 is not a good number <laughs> but i think i like 19 more than 37 strange they both they both made me yeah just yucky yeah uh wouldn't wouldn't want to see that down on, on a golf ball uh the, the other piece of this we talked about um kind of before the show and that we saw a lot of kind of reaction online i think this is the, the the best place to close this is just a lot of fans responding to this deal and and just saying this is just you know i, I this i'm so sick of this being the news I read about when I read professional golf news. I'm so tired of hearing about this. I'm so tired of hearing about how the compensation for these players is going up when I, as a fan, just want to see the best players in the world play against each other in one place. And you got, you're fracturing that. And then, and then to reward 
each of those players on either side of that fracture, they're getting a, a bunch more money. Now, I'm not saying that's a fair critique, but it's, it's just interesting. Like, I wonder if the sort of fringe fan eventually just loses interest, you know, maybe maybe outside the majors, maybe entirely, because they're like, I, just too much to keep track of. And then the hardcore fan feels like, you know, what, where, when do I start winning in this whole picture? I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, maybe they'll start watching two tours. I don't know. Yeah. Because, you know, right now, I would say for just a general golf fan that, you know, you have two two options. You can watch the PGA Tour. You can watch the Live Golf Tour. You can watch both. And, you know, I'll say this just about the world in general. Like, I think times are tough on most people anyways, mm. just financially, how uh, how tough it is to make a living, inflation, just um, it, it's, it's not easy. And I think uh, for a lot of people, I think when they see these numbers that these players complain about, I think it turns off a lot of 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 golf fans mm-hmm. and these are the same golfers that love the sport that are new to the sport that watch on youtube that go to top golf that are yeah. that are in this new boom in the golf business and i saw at the pga show just how much golf has just continues to make this transition into uh, where golf is finally cool again yeah you know golf is cool it it hasn't been cool for a long time but you have athletes celebrities all these different walks of life that 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 love to play this sport but we have a fractured golf professional environment where it it's just been hijacked a little bit by by money and listen if if you had a business and somebody came and offered you as 10 times the amount of money it's 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 dumb not to at least take the call um, now, where that money comes from has been a big topic of discussion at, in the first year. But with the PGA Tour making that framework agreement, all that's gone away. And we've talked about this at, at nauseum. But, you know, I, I think the golf fan in this, uh, they have issues, w- whether it be the broadcast. Like they just there's just not a perfect experience right now. You know, the Masters mm-hmm. was always that perfect experience yeah. for golf fans. And, you know, it's it just it's tough um, because really, I think. They what they say is that there's just only a couple events that really matter and they really care mm-hmm. about. But like we saw at the beginning of the year, Nick Dunlap winning at the MX, like I cared more about that event than I cared in of any other event I've covered in a long time, just because of the storyline. Yeah. And so storylines to me will always be there on the PGA tour. And listen, they were on on the on story there were storylines on the Live Golf Tour. If that's what you yeah. like to watch too, and you can watch both. Um I I hope that we don't have a situation where we have to compete against one another. I hope they'll eventually come back and that we can have a transition to where we we have this global schedule that mm-hmm. that makes sense. And it's like, oh, well, we should have done that from, you know, however many years ago when when Premier Golf League called the PGA Tour and said, hey, yeah. we have this $10 billion valuation of your tour and we we think we can change the way y'all operate, but we didn't take the call. And and can you imagine if they did take that call, where we'd be? It, it's, a, it's a fair question. I believe yeah, you said no laying up, ask this question on Twitter, and I think it was a fair one. Uh, and I think maybe the tour had to do it over again and could see into the future. They they might have. Um, so, you know, it, it's, 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 it is an interesting one. Um, but here, here we are, and here's the way the situation is. And I, you know, my, the place my head goes off of this is where we broke this down. I think around the turn of the year of just like what um, could the new golf structure look like uh, 
you know, what would it look like with a, a platinum tour and yeah. a regular PGA tour? How much time you got? <laughs> I mean, we could just we could just cancel our flights tomorrow and do a few more episodes. But but I, I think I think it really is if you're trying to serve the fan and you're trying to tell them, you know, trying to help them distinguish what matters more, what matters less, you know, the things you can't miss. It's let's get to that place where we have all the best players in the world playing together at four majors and then maybe another eight, you know, elevated elite events per year that combine all those best players from both tours. And you know that those are the can't miss events on the golf calendar. And then you can sell those for a really high value to sponsors because the only place you're going to see all of those guys at the same time, that's where I hope we end up. Um, but yeah, we'll see. You know, in, in the wake of the the SSG negotiations and how that impacts what happens with the tour uh, and the PIF. So uh, we're we are golly, it is we we go on a long time. We get to be together in person here, man. This is, this is a pretty solid. I mean, I, I could we could do another half hour, but I feel like we're running out of time here. So yeah, we need a draft. Like we need to do another draft or something. (laughs) (laughs) Our our Thanksgiving draft, which is if you haven't watched that, it was it was probably the hardest we've laughed about nothing (laughs) and for an hour. My wife came up to me after he's like, what in the heck did y'all just do for an hour? I was like, well, you're gonna have to watch YouTube clip because I don't even know what we did. (laughs) That was that was a a marvel of absurdity. Uh, and, And actually, it was fun this week. You got here and and, and uh, my my family was talking about maybe going to, to Hayes Place. You're like, Hayes Place? <laughs> Why do I know Hayes Place? That's like, Because that's where we're going to get the margaritas when I play with Tiger Woods <laughs> at Cypress Point. <laughs> so uh, that's uh, – yeah, that, that was a ton of fun. We need to do another draft uh, in the future. Yeah, we'll do another we'll, draft. We'll do another, but... Please drop in the comments what type yeah. of draft we should do. Comment um, along. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's been fun. Head off to Waste Management tomorrow. and uh, That's that's where I figure we end the show is just you're off to Phoenix. You're off to Waste Management. Um, working there this week for NBC Sports Golf Channel. What are you looking forward to the most? It's, it's, it's not not a signature event, but but it's – They don't – it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be, right? The players will sh- always show up for that event that like playing it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's amazing. NBC's got it this year. CBS has a Super Bowl. So very excited to have NBC Golf cover that event. Um, and I'm very excited to be on the ground to, to watch it all. So yeah. uh, really pumped about being there in Phoenix. Uh, Fran's going to be there for a couple of days with me as well. Nice. So really, really excited. Bad weather, unfortunately, following you. But yeah, well, it gets a little better. The flight's either going to be if, – if it's an hour and 10-minute flight, it's either going to be – like a 20 minute flight because of how windy it's going to be, or it's going to be a two hour <laughs> flight because we're going to be into the wind. Just depends on which way it's going. <laughs> K- kind of like your uh, drives on Pacific Grove yeah. golf links today. And, uh, we, and I will say whenever you get a chance to watch our YouTube videos, we do put out, uh, you, you'll see that uh, I got some work to do from T to green, but luckily I have talked to Jordan Spieth about my game uh, this week. And he has given me some great advice that I have no mm. idea how to implement yet, but we have looked under the hood and there's things going <laughs> wrong. Uh, we've got to put out this fire because right now this fire can only go to the right. <laughs> I, I, you know, I feel like I had a lot of swing thoughts, you know, in the midst of our weekend and then just watching our buddy play shoeless today. It's, I don't need swing thoughts. The man. games. I, it's all in here. I literally asked. I was like, what's your swing thought out there? A shoeless friend. He said, he said, I was, I was like, are you thinking about bowing your wrist at the top? Cause this is what I'm thinking about. I just want to hear with, with this guy with long hair, Cali, Cali dude with no shoes on. And he said, he said, huh? He said, bowing your wrist. What does that mean? <laughs> and it's just like, all right. Like 
This guy just, what he's he, just he out he here having a good time. He said, just keep my head down. Oh, yeah. He just said, keep my head down. I was like, <laughs> I wish I could just think about keeping my That's head good. down. Keep I'm thinking about too much on the course. Just, yeah. Well, it, it's been a really fun week, and our hope is that we can do more of this uh, in person in the future. Because it was a ton of fun, shot a lot of really cool stuff, and then, of course, got to bring you the weekly episode. So we really appreciate you watching, uh, listening. Obviously, stay tuned for that content from Pella to be dropping in the next couple of weeks. Please give us a little like and a subscribe if you can and be on the lookout for that. Uh, and we will talk to you soon. Uh, we, we, have, we have Jake Knapp. Dropping this week. It was a your, great episode. Your great call on on a guy who could who could be a rookie that made a big impact this year. He played great at the he's Farmers. My, he's my rookie of the year pick. Rookie of the year pick will be in the field at the WM. So that will be dropping on Wednesday. Uh, and then, of course, we'll be recapping Smiley at the WM uh, after that, that tournament concludes. So thanks again for watching and listening. We'll talk to you soon. The Smiley Show is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast.